Welcome into Locked On Blackhawks. Today is Monday, August 10th, 2020. I am your host, Jack Bushman, tuning in for the 187th episode of Locked On Blackhawks. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast for free wherever you may listen to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. You'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day, so please be sure to go do that. Also, please go follow our Twitter page, which can be found at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks, with some really good stuff being posted there every day. By the way, today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Make sure to check it out and tell them the Lockdown Podcast Network sent you. Alright, Blackhawks fans, to start off the show today, we must talk about the Hawks coming up clutch and closing out their best-of-five qualifying round series against the Edmonton Oilers in Game 4 on Friday night. No one thought the Hawks were going to be able to come up with this series win, let alone in just four games. But wow, they surprisingly came to play when it mattered the most on Friday night. They didn't really do that often in one-goal games in the regular season, but in the playoff series against Edmonton, they actually played some solid uh, defensive hockey in the final minutes to hold the Oilers off. But gotta start with Corey Crawford. He was tremendous in that down the stretch, stopping 43 of the Oilers' 45 shots in total, including all 20 in the third period to hold on to that one-goal lead and moving the Hawks on to the first round of the 2020 postseason. It wasn't the prettiest of victories, but it didn't need to be. Sometimes that's just what you have to do in one-goal games. You have to make the easy plays, chip it out, and yeah, you're going to get surged on. But if you can keep the shots to the outside and not give uh, a good offensive team like the Oilers any good chances from high-danger opportunities or second-chance opportunities... Crawford was really good at holding his rebounds in, so I think that was a real big key to this victory, and the Hawks able to hold on to their lead in the final couple of minutes there. Uh, But after a shaky first couple of games in the series, really solid and comforting, really, to see Crawford have this kind of effort with everything on the line, and the Hawks finally able to close out a postseason series. It was another unfortunate start for the Hawks out of the gate, As for the third time in four games, they surrendered a goal in the opening three minutes of the contest. Josh Archibald, who jumped up on that top line for the Oilers after Tyler Ennis took that uh, awkward fall to the ice. Tough. You saw the replays. Leg really twisted awkwardly under him. After taking a big hit from Kirby Dock in the previous game, he wasn't able to go for game four in this contest. He was ruled out indefinitely. Uh, but Josh Archibald jump, jumped up on that top line and scored for the Oilers just 45 seconds into the contest. But the Hawks battled back once again as they have all series long. They were able to tie things up just a few minutes later. A nice wraparound goal from Brandon Saad. Got a little lucky bounce off an Oilers defender. But Saad snuck through his second goal of the series. I actually predicted Saad to have a two-goal game if you tuned into Friday's episode. Uh, So I thought I was on a good track when he scored the Hawks' first goal, but he wasn't able to get that second one for me, unfortunately. But anyways, guys, we're actually seeing the Hawks' fourth line starting to move the puck and make some serious noise for the first time in a while as Matthew Highmore, baby, his second goal in as many games now, another redirect. This one came from Duncan Keith's shot from the point, a beautiful redirect there from Highmore, 
he's kind of finding here a groove now. And that fourth line had a much better showing in Game 4. They played pretty well defensively and cycled well uh, in the offensive zone to create a couple of scoring chances. And Matthew, uh, not Matthew Highmore, David Kampf won 58% of his faceoffs in Game 4, so that's a bonus anytime he can be doing that as well as creating offensive opportunities. But the number one faceoff guy for the Hawks in Game 4 was, surprisingly, Kirby Doc. He went 9 for 15 at the dot, and he played 20 minutes and 6 seconds of ice time, uh, which was, once again, more than Jonathan Taze. So, this kid's just ridiculous. He did see his three-game point streak get snapped, but Colleton's clearly trusting Doc in all facets of the game. The only reason he was a minus in this contest was because he was playing on the penalty kill and the Oilers uh, tied the score 2-2 two to two just seconds after the power play expired. So Doc continues to not only get better and better just every day, uh, but I can only expect him to keep getting larger and larger roles both on the penalty kill and at even strength. He's already on the team's top power play unit and that, and that seems... Uh, that sees the majority of the ice time with the man advantage. So he's just going to continue to grow and continue to uh, play more and more in every situation for the Hawks going forward. In the third period of Game 4, I think we all can say the Hawks were outplayed. I mean, being outshot 20-8, that's not very good. Uh, but they also spent the whole the whole time in their own zone. Crawford, my oh my, though, what a way to pick up your 51st postseason victory, silencing the critics yet again, backing the Hawks, even while the score was even in that third period. But midway through, Taze wins a battle down low against Ethan Bear and finds Dominic Kubalik in an open spot, and he did what he does best, and that's putting the puck top shelf for his third goal of the series, his first since Game 1. But that was enough for the game winner. They hold on thanks to Crawford and also some real boneheaded play by Edmonton down the stretch, getting caught with too many men on the ice with just over a couple minutes to play. So they would not only have to kill off the Hawks' penalty for a good minute or so there, but then they finally get possession, get Koskinen off the ice, and then be at only even strength. A huge advantage there for the Hawks in the final minutes because we know how lethal McDavid and Dreisaitl can be a man up. So they didn't get that opportunity, and they weren't able to sneak one by Crawford with the Hawks coming away victorious and eliminating Edmonton from the postseason and their own hub city in just four games. Does that feel good? The Blackhawks finally winning a postseason series for the first time since taking home the Stanley Cup in 2015 against the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's been a long time coming. I'm so happy for all the guys in that locker room, especially those core guys, uh, Taze, Kane, Keith, Saad, Crawford. It's been tough for these guys the last couple of years, but I'm know that feels good for them to get this win so happy to see this team moving on and having a chance to show what they're made of but it's not going to be easy as we know now that they will be facing the top-seeded Vegas Golden Knights who of course acquired goaltender Robin Leonard from us at the trade deadline so we'll be up against a pissed off Leonard and a loaded Knights offense in the first round of the playoffs More on that in just a moment, but first, I need to talk to you about rockauto.com, the best place to shop for all your auto and body needs. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. 
Visit rockauto.com and tell them the Lockdown Podcast Network sent you. That's rockauto.com for an amazing selection and reliably low prices. Listen, we've all had our share of car problems. How much easier is it when you have an auto and body shop that you can rely on? Well, rockauto.com has your back for all the car parts you will ever need in any situation. One more time, check out rockauto.com for reliably low prices and an amazing selection. And make sure to let them know the Lockdown Podcast Network sent you. rockauto.com, an auto and body shop that you can trust for reliably low prices. Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for listening today. I am your host, Jack Bushman. Be sure to check out my personal Twitter page at JackBushman2 and my Blackhawks Twitter page at TalkinHockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. Also, be sure to subscribe and follow Lockdown Blackhawks for free wherever you listen to your podcast and also on Twitter to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. So we just finished talking about the Blackhawks closing out their qualifying round series against the Oilers in Game 4 on Friday night. And now, we know the Hawks will be playing Robin Leonard in the Vegas Golden Knights in a best-of-seven series starting on Tuesday, which is tomorrow, actually. And sadly, it's another 9.30 p.m. puck drop for us Hawks fans here in Chicago. But the good news is, that is the only 9.30 start on the schedule for these first four games with Game 2 coming at uh, coming on Thursday at 4.30 p.m. Central Time. That's kind of an unfortunate uh, start time for the 9-5 to crew there. But they will catch a break this weekend as Game 3 and Game 4 will uh, both see the Hawks as the home team, actually. Uh, they come as a back-to-back. Game 3 will be at 7 p.m. Central Time on Saturday, and then Game 4's at 5.30 p.m. Central Time on Sunday. The rest of the series is to be determined, obviously. If there needs to be more games, we'll have to wait and see. But games 5 and 7 will see Vegas as the home team if those are necessary, while the Hawks will be the home team for game 6. Looking at this matchup, it was either the Colorado Avalanche or the Vegas Golden Knights for the Blackhawks. And even though Vegas has... Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury in net, and they won the Western Conference just two years ago, I still think this was the better matchup for the Hawks, personally. They went 1-1-1 against Vegas in the regular season in their three games against uh, Vegas, with the opening matchup coming way back in October, but that one was also determined in a shootout, so I think you can sort of throw that one out the window. The second meeting came on November 13th in Las Vegas, and the Blackhawks came out on top 5-3 to in that game. They were actually down 2 to nothing early, but responded with five unanswered goals behind three points from Patrick Kane and Dylan Strome. But another part of that victory was Corey Crawford making 39 saves. The Hawks were outshot 42-26 to on the night, which makes for a really lopsided box score, but Crow stood strong in net for the Hawks, and I think we all know we're going to have to see more of those type of efforts for the Hawks to have any hopes of completing another upset here in the first round. 
In the final game between these two teams, just a month after the second meeting on December 10th, the Golden Knights got the better of the Hawks at home this time around, winning 5-1 in dominant fashion. The Hawks broke up Flurry's shutout with 27 seconds to go on the power play from Kubalik. Uh, so it was really a lopsided game. They were outshot 37 to 29. They only put 17 shots on Flurry in the final 40 minutes while trailing by multiple goals. So just completely dominated in that game. And I also want to mention that the Hawks win over Vegas back in November. That's their only win against the Golden Knights since they became a franchise in 2017-18. So it's been a struggle to beat them for some reason, but I do still think that's the best matchup for the boys is Colorado really gave our defense some fits at times this year, and the thought of Nathan McKinnon skating full speed down the ice simply just gives me nightmares. So Vegas it is. They finished the regular season 39-24-8 with 86 points, which was the third most in the Western Conference when the regular season was paused on March 11th. But after going undefeated in the round robin, they nabbed the top seed. And yeah, it's going to be a much tougher test for the Hawks than the Oilers were. This is a really deep team that the Knights have, and they're well coached by Peter DeBoer. And also, they're out for revenge right now, folks. Last season, if you remember correctly, the only reason they were eliminated from the postseason was because of a horrible major penalty call that gave the San Jose Sharks a power play for five minutes in the third period. Vegas had a 3-0 lead, and then the Sharks go off for four power play goals and steal Game 7 at home. An unbelievable disaster from the former Western Conference champions. But at the same time, if that penalty doesn't get called, or even if it's just a minor penalty, I don't think there's any way the Sharks come back from a three-goal deficit. So Vegas is out for blood right now and out to prove something. And the Hawks are going to have to be well aware of that. And they're going to need to clean up their play before hitting the ice for Game 1 tomorrow night. A scary stat here that I want to mention that I saw on Twitter that doesn't look good for the Hawks. The Vegas Golden Knights led the NHL in the regular season with 34.5 shots on goal per game, while the Hawks were dead last and allowed 35.1 shots on goal per game as a defense. Put that together and you know that Corey Crawford will probably need to be the best player for the Blackhawks for this thing to even be close. Looking at the special teams department from these two teams, Vegas was ninth in the NHL in the regular season, converting on 22% of their man advantages, while we know the Hawks were 28th, converting at a mere 15.2% on the power play. One area where Vegas did struggle this year, though, was on the penalty kill, where they were 27th in the NHL at 76.6%, a couple of really bad teams below them in Buffalo and the Detroit Red Wings, the Ottawa Senators were down there as well, so they were in some bad company, while the Hawks were tied for 8th at 82.1%, so that should be a huge advantage for the Hawks in that department, unless, you know... They continue to do nothing with their own power play opportunities, much like they did in the final three games of the qualifying round versus Edmonton. This is a pretty even matchup at the faceoff dot here, as the Knights were 50% even in the regular season, and the Hawks were 49.9%. Uh, Taze was top 10 in the league at 57.29% to lead the Hawks, while Stasny was Vegas' best man at 54.78, which was also top 25 in the NHL. Uh, on offense, 
Only Colorado and Vancouver scored more goals in the Western Conference than the Knights. Uh, But the Oilers were right up there too, so the Hawks have to continue to try and keep the shots to the outside and limit the second chance opportunities because that's really the killer for a strong offensive team like Vegas. If you give them multiple opportunities and let them linger in the offensive zone and cycle the puck and put uh, put consistent pressure on the defense, then they're likely going to break eventually. Speaking of defense, defensively, these two teams were surprisingly only separated by seven goals in the regular season, but Robin Leonard has jumped sides now. After starting in two of the three round-robin games for Vegas and winning them both, I think it's pretty likely that he gets the start in Game 1 tomorrow night against his former team, which of course will make for a Crawford vs. Leonard narrative right from the get-go. On tomorrow's episode of Locked on Blackhawks, I'm going to take a much deeper dive into this matchup and talk about the projected line combinations for each team, but now it's time to move on to our weekly Mailbag Monday segment, where I answer a couple questions from the fans right here live on the Locked on Blackhawks podcast. I am Jack Bushman, your host of the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. You can reach me on Twitter at JackBushman2 or at Talkin' Hockey, or you can also email the Lockdown Blackhawks email, which is LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com for any questions you have about the show, myself, or anything that has to do with the NHL playoffs. So we just finished a small preview of the best of seven series between the Blackhawks and Golden Knights. Now it's time for our weekly Mailbag Monday segment, where I answer a couple of fan questions right here live on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. So the first question I want to answer was sadly the only question I was emailed this week, which I find weird. Now that the Blackhawks are back playing postseason hockey, no one wants to email things anymore. But anyways, the email came from Alex Durrell, who asked, Hey Jack, first off, Hell of a Hawks win tonight in Game 4 against the Oilers. Such a nail-biter and a great game to watch. My question is, I kept hearing that since the Hawks were the home team, they had the last line change. What exactly does that mean? I don't really know the in-depth rules to the game, so I don't exactly understand what that all means. Love to hear back from you, and go Hawks! Well, Alex, no worries at all, my friend. What they meant by that last line change is that Coach Jeremy Colleton got to choose who he wanted to put out on the ice after Oilers head coach Dave Tippett did when the Blackhawks were the home team. The home team always gets the advantage in these matchups, so let's say after a faceoff in Game 4 with the Blackhawks at home, Tippett goes and throws out his fourth line onto the ice. Colleton can now strategize and either put one of his better offensive lines on the ice if they are well-rested, or he could also go and give his fourth line a look for an even matchup. But if the Oilers were to put out the Connor McDavid line, then Colleton and the Blackhawks would likely want to counter with one of their better defensive lines and defenseman combos. So Alex, I hope that answers your question there, and thanks for taking the time to email in the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. The second question I want to answer comes from Capital R Rat K on Twitter, who asked, Has Slater Cuckoo earned himself a new contract with his play this season? Hard to see a situation where Mata stays. 
This is a very interesting question here, and first off, I do agree that even though Olimata has been terrific for the Hawks so far this postseason, that he will likely be bought out in the offseason because the Hawks need all the money they can get this summer, and they cannot simply be afford they cannot afford to pay a third pairing defenseman four million dollars going forward. Not at the state of this team right now and the cap going down or remaining at eighty one point five million for each of the next three seasons. Not a good look there for the Blackhawks. But as for Cuckoo, uh, I think he's a fringe guy right now. But I think that he could be a casualty now that he has been performing well for the Blackhawks in these playoffs. I think he could get somewhere around the million to a million and a half range. And I'm just not sure that the Hawks can afford that right now. Especially with all the young defensemen in the system getting ready to make the jump. You don't really want to be paying a seventh defenseman one and a half million dollars. So... The Olimata and Slater-Cuckoo pairing has been arguably the Hawks' top defensive grouping so far this season, yet we could see both of them on different clubs at the start of next season come December 1st. Alright, I think that is going to wrap up our weekly Mailbag Monday segment and also Monday, August 10th's episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and as always... Be sure to subscribe and follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, ask your smart device to play the Lockdown NHL podcast for all the latest news from all 16 teams in the first round of the 2020 postseason. Thank you again for tuning into today's episode. I am your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account, at JackBushman2, or my Blackhawks account, at TalkinHockey. For any questions at all regarding anything related to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, you can always email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com or call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode, I hope you all enjoy the rest of your day, and thanks again for listening to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. Your team every day.